Nothing is more gay than this. Everyone's so gay. Everyone's so hot. There is absolutely something for everyone. Yep, that's a queer vibe. <laughs> she is gay. <laughs> Incredible. I'm like, this does not feel heterosexual at no. all. <laughs> this is a gay movie. Hello, and welcome to The Gaily Planet, a podcast where two queer nerds talk about media we love. I'm Lark Malachi Gray, and I am alone in the intro today. Today, we have a special guest, Alex Steed of the podcast You Are Good, a podcast Jesse and I both adore, is on the show, and he brought us the movie Can't Stop the Music, which is an absolute delight. Um, neither Jesse nor I had ever seen it before. You probably haven't seen it. You probably haven't even heard of it. That's okay. This conversation was amazing. And um, per listener request, I am going to give a thorough description of what happens in this movie. If you went and watched it or have watched it a thousand times and you're like, I don't need to spend nine minutes listening to you tell me what happened in this movie... I'm going to have you go ahead and skip ahead nine minutes and 30 seconds. And if you haven't watched the movie and just want me to tell you about it so you can know what we're talking about in this episode, don't skip ahead nine minutes and 30 seconds, starting now. Okay, so here is my attempt to summarize this movie. So Can't Stop the Music is a fictional account of the origin story of the village people. Think... Spice World, but for the village people. We start off with Jack Morell, a tape store employee slash aspiring DJ, quitting his job when his boss tries to make him work late the night that he has his uh, big break DJing for a very cool club. He goes home and his former supermodel housemate, uh, Samantha, Sam, is like, hey, you have to pay rent and stuff. You should go to dental school instead of trying to be a DJ. And he's like, come to the club and listen to my set. And if you think I suck, then I'll go to dental school. And she's like, fine. So she goes to the club and his set is fire. And she's like, oh, actually, don't go to dental school. Allow me, a Virgo, to put 110% of myself into getting you a record deal instead, which she does. So she is trying to get her ex, the head of a record company, to listen, just listen to the demo. And he's like, no, but go on a date with me instead. She is like, "Mm, okay, I'll go on a date with you, but only if you do listen to the demo. And he's like, okay. Um, she goes home and is like, come on, you have to make a demo. And Jack is like, okay, listen to it. And she's like, your singing sucks. You need someone else to sing. So she goes out and finds all of her gay besties and is like, come to this dinner party that I'm hosting and sing a song in the backyard and we're going to record it and you're all going to get a record deal and it's going to be great. So they have this dinner party. It's super wild. So many silly things happen. Her friend slash like the underling for her 
you know, Anna Winter character, former modeling boss Lulu is there and just like trying to fuck everyone, not understanding that they are all homosexual. Her boss, former boss, Sydney, literally climbs over the wall to crash the party because she desperately wants Sam to come back to work. Some dude named Ron, who like knows Sam's sister, allegedly shows up to be like, your sister sent you a cake. I brought it to you. And on the way here, we saw him get mugged by an old lady in a like ridiculous scam. And so he's like traumatized and Sam's like, stop talking about your problems and hang out at my party. Um, And then he's like, your friends are a bunch of fucking faggots and I'm not staying here. And she's like, wow, you suck. Goodbye forever. They sing the song and record it. And she goes to take it to record company ex-boyfriend the next day. Ron happens to be there because he's the the lawyer for the record company guy. And he's like, whoa, it's that hot lady that... I was rude about her friends. Let me follow her home really quick and try to prove that I'm not a terrible person. And she's like, okay. They get back to her apartment, reheat the food from the day before, which is like a bubbling hot lasagna straight from the oven, which promptly gets spilled in Ron's lap. And so Sam and Jack have to like remove his pants. And then Jack is like, wow, y'all are clearly going to fuck. Goodbye. And then they do fuck, uh, weirdly. And the next morning, I guess the sex was so good that it cured his homophobia completely because he's like, my whole mission in life is now to get your weird gay friends a record deal. So we need more backup singers and we're going to hold auditions at my law office. And so they do hold auditions at the law office and it is a wild circus of a time but they get all of the members of the village people ron's mom shows up for some reason and is like says something about blah 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 village people and they're like oh that's the name of the group so that's where they get their name allegedly but then ron's boss shows up who's maybe also his dad i thought it was his dad but wikipedia says it wasn't whatever and is like why is the office full of a bunch of fags? Get out. And Ron's like, you know what? Fuck you. I'm uh, cured of my homophobia by sleeping with Sam and uh, I quit. So then he's like, I know what we should do. We should go to the YMCA. They have rehearsal space, apparently. Um, And also in his newfound life as a not homophobic guy anymore. He puts on the shortest shorts and the tiniest crop top known to man. Um, So they go to the YMCA and it's like a 10 minute montage of like sexy naked men working out and swimming and being completely naked. So many dicks. And obviously YMCA by the village people is playing through the whole thing. And then record company guy shows up to like listen to their performance, I guess. And they perform a song and he is like, "Mm, this is ridiculous. I hate it and leaves and we see him in the hallway and he's like, ha ha ha, gonna scam another like superstar group into making almost no money by pretending that they suck. 
And Sam's like, why did you leave? Aren't they great? And he's like, no, they're terrible. I could only give you this tiny amount of money. And she's like, fuck off. They're fantastic. So they decide that if he's not going to sign them, they need to find another way to get attention. So they're going to throw a big party that people pay to attend. But you need money to throw the party, even if people are going to pay to attend it. So Sam finally gives in to her former model boss and is like, fine, I'll be in this milk commercial that you've been bothering me to be in, but only if my six gay friends can be in it as well. And Sydney, the model boss, is like, fine. So they do a milk commercial where it's like six little kids dressed as the village people being served milk and then they grow up to be big and strong and the actual village people and they perform a song called Milkshake that is the most over-the-top ridiculous thing ever. And if I can find a YouTube video of it, I will put the link to that in the show notes. Everyone loves it, except for the people from the milk lobby who are like, what the fuck? We are not putting this on TV. And so they're not going to get residuals for it and they don't have enough money. And then for some reason, Ron is there and he's like, ew, why were you so scantily clad? And she's like, why are you an absolute bummer? And they break up again. And then his mom is there and she's like, I love the village people. And instead of a paid party, which is like incredibly gauche, you should perform at this charity event that I'm hosting in San Francisco. And they're like, great, let's do that. Sam is like, hey, ex-boyfriend music company guy you got to come to this party in san francisco to see my friends perform and realize that you were wrong to not offer them an excellent deal and he's like fine and you can fly there with me on my private jet and she's like okay but then instead she sends jack and his amazing mom to meet him on on the jet And his Jack's mom brings like a bunch of food and like feeds the record company guy. And he's like, oh, no, a mom is being nice to me. And she's like, yes, I'm being so nice to you. Give my son a record deal. And he's like, "Okay." And so by the time they land in San Francisco, they have an excellent record deal and everyone's so stoked. We meet back up with the village people who are about to go on stage and do their big first performance for like a sold out crowd of like 3000 people. Sam finally arrives late and we never learn why she's late. And Ron is like, I'm so glad to see you. I think we should get married. Um, I forgot to mention he he is married, um, not to Sam. He's been married this whole time. Uh, however, unbothered uh, by the fact that he's married, he's like, Sam, I think we should get married. And she's like, um, sounds great. And then they make out and then... The village people perform, and everyone's really happy. The end. Okay, so that's what this movie is. I what, what do I need to tell you before we actually get into it? I think the only really important thing is that we, in the conversation, switch between referring to the characters as their names in the movie and referring to the characters by the names of the actors. So I just want to give you context. So when we talk about Steve Gutenberg, that is the actor who's playing Jack. 
um, when we talk about Valerie Perrine, that is the name of the actor playing Sam. And when we talk about Caitlyn Jenner, that is the actor who is playing Ron. So specifically with Caitlyn Jenner, um, obviously when we're talking about her by her name, we're using she, her pronouns. When we're talking about Ron as the character, we're using he, him pronouns. So don't get confused by that. I don't think we talked about anyone else specifically. All of the village people are in this movie by their own names. So yeah, I think I think that's all I need to tell you. Um, this episode is like... 15 to 20 minutes longer on Patreon than it is in the public feed. So, you know, if you really love it, I would think about joining our Patreon, patreon.com slash hashtag ruthless, because there's, there's more to be had. And with that, I'm going to let us get into this episode about Can't Stop the Music. Hello, Alex. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I hope that you can't wait to, uh, I don't know. I was going to, it was going to make a can't stop the music pun. And then I realized that there's, <laughs> there's so much going on in can't stop the music that it's hard to, it's hard to even do. <laughs> I was like, what direction do I go? Let's keep the music going together. Right. Shall we? <laughs> We don't have a choice. You can't stop it. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah. So really quick, will you just introduce yourself to our listeners who somehow don't know who you are? Sure. My name is Alex Steed, and uh, I have a podcast that I host with my great friend Sarah Marshall called You Are Good, a feelings podcast about movies. And we talk about movies not critically, but we talk about them sort of unpacking the feelings that they bring up in us. And uh, I am also a entertainment and talent manager for people who do things for audiences. And uh, I help them, you know, try to think imaginatively about their careers and also not get screwed. So that's what I do. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, your podcast is one of my comfort shows. We just did oh, an advice episode for Patreon yesterday. And one of the questions was like, what do you watch and listen to to feel better? in this moment in time and you were one of them. So. Oh, that's so, that's so kind. Thank you. I, I listened and I, I, uh, had not been familiar with your show prior though. I look forward to continuing to listen, um, because the, I, I prepped by listening to episodes in the past and it w I was so flattered to hear you mention us in the context of, um, Crybaby. So <laughs> I, I was like, Oh wow. What a, what a start. Um, so I, I, I love, I love what you all do. This is really, this is really lovely and it's an honor to be here. Thank you. That's so exciting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, you are good as like one of the podcasts that me and my wife have totally different podcast tastes. And it's like one of the ones that overlap. So we listen to a lot on like we're in the car and on road trips. So it's like it's that's so nice. It's like it's also a very like an extremely common thing that we hear <laughs> is like especially in, in in like queer partnerships is that like we don't listen to the same show because we we have virtually no just like cis dudes who listen to our show <laughs> not like almost none so they're like i would love to hear three guys just argue about this movie that's what we want to do but the um and and it was my, we often hear like that like we are the common ground podcast and that's just like the kindest and, and nicest thing to hear 
My my partner only listens to me and Jesse's podcast. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's wild. <laughs> um, I mean, partly it's That's really nice uh, support. <laughs> uh, he's a builder, so he has to like be doing quiet enough things to be able to like hear sure. it in his uh, hearing protection. So he doesn't have time for anything else, I think, because we make too many podcasts. <laughs> um, but OK, let's get started. Um, Jesse, did you do you have headlines for us? I do. Uh, and today's headline. Don't say gay in the movie about the village people is a choice. <laughs> I would argue they say it every possible way outside of with uh, words. Yeah. yeah. I definitely wrote down every like new version of is he, you know, that I'm going to start using. In my daily there life. are so many. So many. Oh, my gosh. Right. And I didn't realize like I this is the first this movie has just existed in my brain for a very long time. Um, and, the, and I know we'll talk about this in a bigger context later, but. This was the first time I really dived into Alan Carr, who made this movie possible. And it makes so much sense in the context that everyone knew that Alan was gay. He was not closeted, but it was never acknowledged. Mm. And he made a whole movie about it. (laughs) Sure did. Um, All right, so we're going to start things off with the front page where we talk about everything that doesn't go anywhere else. And Alex, if you could kick us off. Sure. I so yeah, I this is a movie unlike any movie I've ever seen. (laughs) And it really feels like what it is, which is a producer got an insane amount of power early in their career and was allowed to do anything at a time when everyone was doing anything. And so, you know, it was like, I'm going to cash in on disco and did it at exactly the wrong time and released a movie a year late, totally missing the disco trend, totally missing the village people trend, totally not capitalizing on, on, Caitlyn Jenner's fame correctly like everything was just a fabulous missed mark Mm -hmm. um is as a means of telling this kind of like sideways personal story uh and I just I really despite everything uh really loved this movie in a in a in a very big way I mean you have to recommend this movie with about 27 caveats to anyone (laughs) who you're recommending it to um but I just it just fills my heart it's like it it really it's like we talk about on our show one of our favorite kinds of movies one of our favorite kind of movies is just a collection of vignettes and this is not necessarily that this is yes all choices and that's one of our favorite kinds of movies and it just feels like you know, a, a movie that only people propelled by a mountain of cocaine could possibly make. So much, yes. Like, there's <laughs> so many things in this movie where I was like, why is this happening? Like, this has nothing to do with the plot. And sometimes that was great. Like, the dude just having a daydream about the music video that he wished he was in. Like, yes, always to that. But, like, and so many sing. of the side quests where I was like, 
I have this like firm opinion that no movie should ever be more than 80 minutes long. Oh, so like sure. anytime I'm watching something more than 80 minutes, I'm like, you could cut that. You could this cut is that. two <laughs> hours and five minutes long and you feel every minute. Yeah, totally. And like, I, I don't mean that in a bad way, but like so many of the things I was like, this sure. is doing like, why did the contact lens thing happen? Like that. Why did, did they spill? Hot las- <laughs> why did they not even just hot lasagna on, on, on it, like the only reason Jenner is in this movie is because uh, she was a, a, a an Olympic star at this time, and so they were just like, "Oh, let's let's capitalize on that." Like she's on Wheaties, like <laughs> this will we work for us. Watching the YMCA uh, scene, my partner was like, "They just had Caitlyn Jenner call all of her friends to come be it's, in this scene." Like this exactly. is why she's in this movie. Well, it's, <laughs> and then they and then so, but like, why did they? Why is there a scene where not only do they drop hot lasagna? <laughs> On her crotch, but it's like a half a lasagna that's in the oven for some like every choice. For leftovers, obviously. (laughs) She lives. Perrine lives in a two-story New York apartment. I mean, the whole thing is crazy. I love it. Actually, I thought the fact that her apartment I realized makes sense. If she's like a, if she's like a successful model, then like the layout and the gorgeousness of this house makes sense. The love story between her and Caitlyn Jenner, I'm like, why is this here? Is it just to why make it more heterosexual? I, I honestly <laughs> think that the answer is yes. They had no. to be like, no, the main plot of this movie is this love story. Everything else is just happens to be happening. No, I tweeted yeah. yesterday and I mean this. I truly mean this. Is like everyone talks about their everyone of a particular age talks about their like quote bisexual awakening movie and it's often the mummy. And this is the movie <laughs> for me because this movie is so gay coded without ever saying it. So gay coded that they were like we need to put Perrine's tits in this movie because <laughs> It's too, guys, it's too much. It's so gay. That whole, the whole scene, the YMCA scene that you talked about, Alan Carr, who wrote and produced this movie, directed that scene. He was like, I need to, let me, let me take care of this. Honestly, good for him. Yeah, Absolutely. I think if I had seen this movie like as a child like on (laughs) like on like channel 20 like a sunday afternoon i think it would definitely be part of my bisexual awakening because (laughs) kids in the hall was definitely that for me for sure and it's and i'm like in like a really big way i'm just like yeah if i'd seen this and kids in the hall it would been like there is no other way all of the drag in kids in the hall (laughs) undid me like in a serious way i didn't even realize they were in drag until much later and i feel like that is really explained also my idea of gender (laughs) i'm just like just that's for sure oh my god that's so fucking legit that's so so real (laughs) oh my goodness um jesse what do you have first I think we're still in first. Oh my god. Um the musical scenes in this movie is so funny. But I have to say, the first one of the main character roller skating quitting his job and then roller skating into this like big like musical on the street <laughs> is a parade number. <laughs> it's just like A plus plus. You know what's wild is like I 
Ev- everyone in this Zoom meeting right now has ADHD, right? So I think <laughs> probably all have the experience of when you're watching an old movie where they still put the credits at the beginning, you're just like tearing your hair out. And I was like, I'm having fun when Absolutely. this happens. Like, what? This is not part of the happened. opening credits, as you just described, leaving a tape store, roller skating out of it, going to porn riddled Times Square. Like, like Steve Gutenberg is like doing some dancing. It's just like there's like XXX banners behind him the entire time. It was fun to watch. Yeah. That song is long as hell, though. Yeah. So yeah. But he looks like he's having so much fun, which I think made it also more exciting for me to watch because there's just something about watching actors enjoying what they're doing, like for not sure. as a character, but as like a human being that always just makes me so happy to be watching whatever's on my screen. Oh my God. Definitely. It's glorious. Um, okay. So my first thing is, did you folks notice this? I, I literally, I choked when I saw the part where they like, who even is it? They say, uh, Felipe says, I think to Sam, like, that's very materialistic of you as <laughs> he like receives a like product placement yes. of Dr. Pepper. <laughs> yes. <laughs> totally. That's so funny. They say Zabar's in this movie like 14 times. It's, it's incredible. Great. It was like Wayne's world level. That's product really placement. Like... funny. I did not. I truly didn't notice that. I didn't notice that. There's a, there's a handful of like great, bits there's the bit where she asks for a handkerchief first of all she's like can i get a handkerchief and i think it's i can't remember which of which of them pulls it out and then it's a it serves as a scene transition because she uses it and then hands it back and it's another one of the village people so yeah we get like i think four different people in that scene but every time it's like the camera just sort of moves away and then it's as if the other person is still the same person, but it's a new person. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, It really, you're, you are really right. I mean, there are these bits that feel like delivered with a different, a slightly different vibe and tone, like serve as Wayne's world bits. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's several times where it's like, not quite breaking the fourth wall, but like very nearly breaking the fourth (laughs) wall where the characters are almost winking at the camera. Totally. That's exactly. And and just for people's reference, Nancy Walker directed this movie and she was a um, comedic actress. She played Rhoda's mom on the show Rhoda and was um, kind of like a not a Gary to say she's a Gary Marshall protege erases like a lot of her career that happened beforehand. But like she's kind of like of this era of television comedy and ilk and is like a person who gets comedy. Sometimes I feel like, you know, uh, like Galen was hoisted onto her in some way, so you have to like direct someone who's just decidedly not funny. But like, there, I think some of the bits that hit, hit work really well. Yeah, you know that actually that actually makes sense because obviously the at least uh main character's mom is like just like I am clearly a like theater diva, and I'm like, oh my god, I love you, and it's also very much a little bit like. Grace's mom and Will and Grace, where it's yeah. like old, like little, like literal old school Hollywood, like mm-hmm. film star shows up and it's just like a fabulous old lady. And I'm like, this is so perfect. <laughs> and, I, and I feel like knowing that about the director, I'm like, okay, this is probably on purpose and I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. All of the women in this movie that are not Valerie Preen, and Valerie Preen is this as well, are divas. Like they are all like real, actual, sort of like of a time, like Broadway, or like they are all divas in some way. And that really 
shows <laughs> in a tremendous in a tremendous way where where steve gutenberg's character has to tell his mom that um she can't refer to him as a genius because genius geniuses have a hard time holding on to friends <laughs> <laughs> yeah i feel like to that also like sydney is a completely superfluous character who i'm like I would be so sad if she was not in this movie. Like, there's no reason for her to be in this movie at all, aside from, like, it's fun. And she's so fun. And I'm so glad that she's in this movie. Sydney's, like, the, the like, kind of, man- not manager, the but, like, the model, agent-y. The, like, Anna Winter character. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. Yes. Sorry, yeah. I don't know actors, like, period. She is I have no idea who anyone is, so I can only give you character names. I forget. Oh, say, I mean, I'm, and I'm even bad at that, but that, that actress, I only just recently learned, like, played Molly Brown in a stage, in a, and was, like, acclaimed for playing Molly Brown in a stage adaptation of, like, Molly Brown's life, inclu- the, called the unsinkable Molly Brown, sort of about her, her life in Titanic times. Um, yeah, she's so, she had such a unique voice. She was, like, so, like, tremendously cunty in a great way like i loved her (laughs) so much yeah she's like yeah she like chews scenery like a disney villain and i'm like i don't even care if half of your the scenes you're in like don't make any sense it should have been cut this is so much fun (laughs) when she when her employee what's her face i forget lulu yes when lulu quits and she says whoever gets you deserves you i was like There was was no like in any other movie that would be like that would be like, you know, like a humbling moment or like a like we're we're cool. Like, thanks for all this, like some growth. And she does not grow. And that's great. I also love that she's counterbalanced by Lulu, whose primary characteristic is fucking dangerously horny. Like that's Lulu is like, like potentially a one to several lawsuits you know that's how horny she is yeah and i, I love that i have her in my nose as sex pest <laughs> she <laughs> is a sex pest because i'm like your aggression i am here for this but you are really crossing these lines girl like so many yeah. lines also yeah, all these dudes she, are gay she, right. <laughs> she she gets away with it because she's like not talking like doing the things to the people that she feels the you know lust for she's like talking about it to someone else if she were to ever like actually approach someone with that level of horniness and be like (laughs) no she would be in the politics section (laughs) she does i think is she the one that says there are like there are some lines that are from even I can't even say from another time i'm sure they were offensive in that other time as well but is it lulu who says of Felipe. Oh yeah, or, no, that's a politics section point. Or, sure. Yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. We'll, yep. There's so much to talk about in the politics section that yep. we could deal with that later. There's you also know the whole thing about this movie getting confused for cruising a lot of the time when it was being produced, <laughs> which is really <laughs> well funny. It, that's uh, yeah, that's for the politics. <laughs> it's so exciting. Oh my god. Um. Okay, I am gonna try to keep track of time and so i'm gonna ask if there's anything else that's really important in anyone's front page notes and if not we should move to a new section probably the the only thing other thing i'll say which kind of makes this make not i'm not gonna say it's gonna make it make sense but like this movie was initially produced to be called disco land and the idea was to like talk about alan carr had a big like um, party promotion background, a management background. There's like all of these pieces of his life that are showing. And, and then like he met 
the managers of the village people and was like, oh, this would be like an interesting framing narrative. Whereas I like to think of it as the reverse, as they were, it was always going to be a village people movie. And they're like, you know, like, <laughs> you know, what we should couch this in is like a three way relationship between Valerie Perrine, Steve Gutenberg and like an Olympian. Like, that's so <laughs> funny to me. But yeah, so this was initially just going to be like about disco and then the village people were going to be in the background. Um, but then at some point during production, it flipped, um, which kind of speaks to some of the like weird atonality of the movie. Yeah, it feels like I feel like the whole village people part of this movie, honestly, I'm like, they just lifted this to make Spice World. And I <laughs> feel like they made the right choices about what to keep and what to cut. Right. For sure. Um, Spice World has like literally half of a scene about like the two managers getting together in a straight romantic relationship. And it's like, that's enough. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> Nailed yeah, it. <laughs> I was thinking a lot about Spice World when I was watching this movie, uh, and we, we can and I have I definitely have notes about that. So just like LOL, <laughs> cool. Welcome to the style and fashion section where we talk about aesthetics and listeners remember that we do an image roundup for every episode. So check the show notes for a link to where you can see what we're talking about, uh, Alex. My two that stick out is like Randy Jones, the cowboy, is so cute. Like, just wildly adorable in a way that I didn't remember. And like, he looks like he's like 12 years old in this movie <laughs> with his like mustache. And there's just like such a like cuteness about him. And like, I know that that's not a style note, but like, it, that really stuck out this time. Um, that we get a scene. It's like the plot to this movie is nuts. Like there's a part where Valerie Perrine as a model at the end of her career, she's like 37 when this movie comes out at the end of her career, gets an offer to be in a, a milk campaign. And she, she's like, I'll do it as long as I can also have like five to six <laughs> other people with me. And like the milk campaign is like, all right, whatever we need Valerie Perrine. Um, and so we get this extravagant, like the centerpiece of the movie is this milk, a milk campaign. And several things happen in it that just stand out to me in the most beautiful way. One, the framing narrative of the milk campaign is we have a bunch of children, <laughs> so including weird. a Leatherman child <laughs> dressed as the village people. And it's so funny like they're so perfectly dressed the only thing i'm so glad that they didn't do but they could have done is like stubble on the leatherman's <laughs> child's face glad yeah. that they didn't do that um but every all of just like the white uh like kind of like dazzling uh sparkling outfits that happen in this in the centerpiece of this of the milkshake song which is just it's just come by it's like so <laughs> the right. whole thing is like <laughs> it's like it's nuts but everyone looks so good like it feels like they built this movie they reverse engineered this movie around this seven minutes of film um and everything about it is spectacular any screen grab from this would trick someone into watching this movie Agreed. <laughs> uh yeah those outfits are out of control <laughs> so uh, i was just like watching it i think i just had like my like my hands on my face i'm just like oh my god 
Well, just think about them. Like, whoever financed this movie being like, this guy made Greece. We have the village people. It's about disco. Give them all the money in the world. <laughs> and they put it in those outfits. They, oh, my God. And it's so, it's so good. Yeah, it's like brain melting. And you're just like, I'm so happy <laughs> this is happening. For sure. For sure. Oh, man. What are y'all's? I'm excited to hear. Jesse, what do you have first? Uh, You will not be surprised that my first thing is just the house. Like, her house. (laughs) It's just, she's all these beautiful plants everywhere. I'm like, this place is a dream. Like, her kitchen is cute. Minus, Mm. there's like, really, like, her tile has like, creepy clowns children children as clowns on it that's like wow, a little bit unnerving i was i was looking very intently at the kitchen <laughs> i'm like this kitchen is incredible and oh just like God. yeah the sort of like cylindricalness of like her all her plants are a dream now but 15 years ago even like why is oh it's look at this 70s house just like full of plants and now it's like every instagram influencer is trying to have a house like this <laughs> it's gorgeous yeah it's nuts yeah and to your point it makes sense that she can own that with her career like she ha- at some point we learned she has a thousand dollar dress which apparently is like nuts at that point so yeah she's doing she's doing all right and she's living large she also mentions of those plants that she has trouble getting along with humans and animals <laughs> and it's relatable i know yeah. Um, I think my favorite thing about maybe, I don't know, at least about the aesthetics of this movie is that it unabashedly is like, these are not costumes that the village people are wearing. This is how they dress. This is who these men are. And they're just on stage in their clothes. (laughs) I just, I like the, you know, we meet Felipe and it's like, okay, I can accept like, one queer weirdo who's just like always dressed like this but then it just like keeps going and i was like oh they're like doing this all the way and that's incredible like that's everything it's so you know what's so funny about that that not though in addition to is it's like they all are some like quote macho archetype but then, like the leather, the leather dude is like a standalone thing. Does that make sense? Like it's like it's like that is its own, and I understand it's influenced by biker culture. Like I get that or whatever. But it's like that is its own subculture in a way that like cowboy is not. Like, <laughs> you know? yeah. like that's like a passing style thing. But like the the leather thing, it like entre- entrenched and has a lineage and whatever. And it's just really funny that they, like all these guys are like cosplay cosplay in one way or another but like glenn hughes like was a leatherman so like it's i find that i find that incredibly fascinating but yeah the whole shtick is that it's like this is this is what squares think people dress like in in greenwich village yeah (laughs) and i mean to be fair i'm like i was like oh look at look at my inspiration for 2024 fashion goals i'm like this is just like i'm like this is also just how gay people always i mean and that's (laughs) very fair i'm like throwing stones as a person who in a previous incarnation of my life did just like wear a prom dress to go do my childcare (laughs) job so it's not like um, it's totally unheard of i mean the cowboy and his like having a like buffalo plaid mm-hmm. unbuttoned to his navel and like tight yeah. blue jeans i'm like yeah. 
This is the Midwest. I like <laughs> like everyone's looking like that. Like so many gay people look like that. It's so good. <laughs> it's so funny when I worked in when I first moved to Brooklyn, and I this was like twenty years ago at this point. This is when I first saw this movie. I remember first meeting like midwest gay guys who like kind of dressed like cowboy like dressed like cowboy and not even, like cowboys is not the is kind of the right term but like modern like real cowboys like you know they they like wore um not for fashion they wore like uh um you know like carhartt sort of canvas pants and stuff like that and i was like oh <laughs> this is great <laughs> I didn't know this was on the table. Yeah, uh, fl- flannel yeah. never went out of style in the Midwest. So no. yeah, <laughs> so like no. yeah, I'm it's like a, being a guy from Maine, it's all I ever wear. So it's it's a, it was fun. I was like, oh cool, this is great. I don't need to get a whole new wardrobe. This is <laughs> I think Alex, it is your turn again. Um, wait, which are we on now? Style. Oh, style, style fashion. fashion. So, yeah. Oh, sorry, I, g- I gave up so my so so many of mine early. Um, I I think like just generally the um uh not generally like what is what is caitlin wearing halfway through the movie which for like a weird street scene is like a a jersey yes cut just below the nipples and so you get this like long sort of live uh, uh olympian flesh uh, uh that has that, that then has like sort of cut off jorts under it i loved that as a choice so much i there may be an explanation about why we get it but otherwise I, mean, I think that there it made sense to me because basically ron has like rage quit his job working for his dad <laughs> and is like has to prove that he's not homophobic anymore as hard as he can to be able to get with <laughs> sam and so he's like look I, I quit my job Look for your gay wearing. friends, and now I wear village people clothes. And well, so if this like, was after the yeah. YMCA scene. Uh, Ron does... That's before. Oh, it is. Okay, because I was going to say, we do get some great scenes of, of him doing, like, you know, yeah. exercises and stuff. Yeah. But it's, I love... That, that, to me, like, if before I re- revisited this for this conversation, if you ask, like... Does Ron wear that the entire movie? I would have said yes. Because like it's just like all I could remember. I'd be like, yes. Oh, I said, I said at some point to someone recapping this movie, Valerie Perrine's topless the entire time. Like these are all the things that like so Valerie Perrine's topless the entire movie. Caitlin Caitlin Ron, sorry, is wearing like is is just mid drift the entire time. And Steve Gutenberg is on roller skates the entire movie. So like the things that stick in your brain about like what was consequential and important are very telling about what you're all about, I think. I mean, yeah. I had that high crop top because I'm just like, oh my God. And <laughs> mostly because every once in a while some asshole on Twitter will be like, What are we gonna get back to men dressing like men? And I'm like, oh you mean like this? <laughs> You mean like super high crop top and like cut off tight shorts? Yes. When will when will cis dudes dress like this again? Like cis head dudes, get on it. Absolutely. Well, it's like, and you also said it's so funny because there is there is this thing about there's this thing about sort of like queer culture generally that goes back that is about it's like for lack of a better word just like dress up right for like that is about like costumes and looks and 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 stuff like that and it's so perfect that our 
our kind of like inconsequential producer character who they who Valerie Perrine tries to seduce throughout this movie to like get to sign the band is just this is like the straightest cokehead on earth like that's mm-hmm. his whole thing and he's at some point like looks at the band and goes I hate Halloween and you're like <laughs> I can't think of a more inflammatory statement <laughs> a more like hom- a more homophobic thing to say you yeah. know than, like I hate Halloween <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that's exactly how I felt when he said that. I'm like, how dare you? (laughs) You're at their house, you know? Like, come on. (laughs) Yep. Um, Jesse. I just want to talk about our. I literally have in my notes is the like Devil Wears Prada boss, (laughs) who is always wearing purple, but her, the first scene we see her in where she is wearing this like straight up Quilla DeVille purple like full length coat and she has a dyed like fur stole that's also the same shade of purple and i'm just like oh my god (laughs) it is it is just it is so perfect none of her other alphas are as perfect as that but i'm like holy shit (laughs) yeah it's like glam grimace (laughs) (laughs) glimace oh my god um yes uh i'm gonna say my last thing here is gonna be uh because again trying to be mindful that we're only in our second section there is someone no one else will have noticed this probably at the end concert when what does sydney call them the lady singers something like that oh um, yeah no the richie the richie sisters is that who you're talking about yeah but she, she oh did you say that's really what she refers to that's so funny but so during their set you see someone who's like right up at the stage wearing like a black satin evening glove with like a bracelet and they're just twirling a whip like like you would hold a lighter but it's just a whip and they're just twirling it and that's all you see is their arm and i was like i want to know you like why are you not in this movie and so i just want everyone else to notice it when i love that Yeah, they they did this whole thing. So the whole movie takes place in New York, obviously, but for whatever reason, this last performance takes place in San Francisco. Well, I mean, not for whatever reason. This last performance takes place in San Francisco, <laughs> which which brought the production to San Francisco for 12 days to shoot oh, wow. the end of this thing. And so I think that, like, I think a lot of the people who showed up out there kind of typical to these kinds of scenes were like locals. So that's nice to know that Satin Glove is out there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Do either of you have anything else that you need to talk about here? The whole movie, start to finish. You're just gonna <laughs> you screen grab any second of this movie and be in awe. I know. The, the, we're gonna have to limit the uh, the gallery by how much energy Jesse and I have to write image descriptions. Fair. So we usually do like the personal essays section where we talk about our relationships with the movie. Um, do you? want to do that or sure it's a quick i mean it's a quick one this is a movie that for whatever reason i had not a robust knowledge of but like i knew images of it for some reason in my head which suggested i had seen it in parts and then like internalized it um and like you know i think particularly for people of a of a certain age before you who grew up fully before youtube was around like you could pick up these like little clips that would exist in your brain and then you'd reverse engineer the rationale for them existing. And I think that this was one of them. And then I finally saw the movie in my very early twenties 
while I had a 104 degree fever. And so I, yeah, so I was like a nuts experience. I think I remembered it the way that I remembered it because I had the fever. And then I watched it like the next week to confirm. And I was like, no, I remember this movie exactly (laughs) as it was. And I, I just loved it. I was like thinking like this movie is a fever dream. I'm like a little bit sad that I'm sober watching it so I can take notes. But next time I watch it, I'm not going to be. And I'm like, this is going to be amazing. It's really, (laughs) truly remarkable. And, and yeah, it's, it's a, it's a movie where I, I just feel informed. Um, I don't know, like all of these images, and I've said this on our show so many times before, it's like the, most young people with like TikTok or reels or whatever are able to see more queer intentional queer imagery before they get out of bed by flipping on a phone than, than I had access to as a kid. And so you had to really look for where it was hidden or apply your own subtext to other text. And and again, this is a movie that never says it, but says it from start to finish. And there there are some issues and stuff that we could unpack with that later. But like, I like to think there were people whose parents played this movie for them and was just like, it's a whatever. It's the village people like it's kitsch. It is rated PG. It's like- rated PG. <laughs> and I like to think there were a lot of people who like this provided the imagery they needed to like not feel in, entirely alienated um because it's like it's like it's so not sneaky but is really <laughs> sneaky and there were so many pieces of media that did that for me and then when i saw this i was like this would have been one of those pieces of media yeah yeah i can definitely clearly envision someone's family getting it at like a video store and be like it's a musical we love musicals you love grease and then and then some child being like i'm gay yeah. now i'm queer exactly. like <laughs> Exactly. This, there is a five minute daddy. scene of totally. There's just a five minute scene about lifting weights. Like, what's wrong with lifting weights? And it's like, <laughs> you know, it, there's a, so much plausible deniability for like a Midwestern family that I think is so important. Yeah. Agreed. I'm not going to lie. I feel mad that I've never heard this movie before because I loved like John Waters and like gay <laughs> camp. And I'm like, this is very clearly. So many things people love about gay camp from like straight up the seventies with a disco soundtrack. And I'm like, yeah. how, how are more queer people not talking about this movie? Like this is, <laughs> this is incredible. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I'm like actually upset that True. no one I know has ever been like, you know, we should watch. <laughs> Can't stop the music. Well, I think we're going to, so I, when I brought this up to my friend, she was like, we need to, there's a, there's a, movie event space in LA called Vidiots and like she was like we really need to get Vidiots to air this because like we need more people to know that this exists I think everyone who loves this movie feels that way is it's like how and it's because it bombed you know it it, it bombed and then didn't find like a secondary audience welcome to the politics section where we talk about things that are fucked up (laughs) um Okay, I, I want to start, like, slightly lighter, if yeah. that's cool, because I think Please. there's a lot of really heavy stuff to get into. I know that there's, like, a lot of, like, really shitty fat phobia stuff around the fact that Sam is, like, trying to gain weight or whatever, but I 
honestly kind of love the way that the movie does it because it's like shitty that it's like she won't be able to model anymore once she gains weight but like the whole thing of it is her being like i want this like i want this really badly and i don't fucking care how any of the rest of you feel about it her attitude's really great yeah she's like i'm doing it on purpose because i want to be too fat to model and that will make me so happy and i'm like this is nice. I think I like this. I was like, yeah, let her eat some Baskin Robbins. I'm like, go do it. It's going to yeah. taste great. <laughs> and Alan, Alan Carr was famously tormented by his relationship with his weight. And like okay. when wrote this at a like weight loss boot camp. Wow. So like that was like kind of there. And I agree. I mean, I like right out the gate with Steve, the first line Steve Gutenberg gives to Valerie Perrine is like, Hey, Miss Piggy or like something like that. And like grabs the, her ass. He asks if she's trying to fatten up for the Miss Piggy lookalike contest, which That's I was it. like, Thank I want to go there. Actually, <laughs> that sounds hot and fun. Like, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. But like her receipt of it is like, yeah, like I love, <laughs> I totally, I love that. I love its attitude towards it even though like all the all the text of it you're like oh god but her attitude is really great i hope somewhere there's a like miss piggy look-alike drag show or something because if that doesn't exist someone needs to do that right now like i just i was like that i just and she like you could have like 15 different drag queens all in iconic miss like famous miss piggy outfits like how fun would that be can we please make this happen my god oh my god it has to it has to be somewhere and i'm sure the pictures are great Mm -hmm. um yeah okay so that out of the way alex uh what fucked up thing would you like to talk about first (laughs) so so this isn't this is another light thing and and it's to me it's just funny and it was an accident is the the same time that this movie went into production William Friedkin's uh, now kind of infamous movie Cruising was also in production. And the Village Voice uh, got their hands on the script. And like Cruising is essentially about like it takes place in like a lot of sort of like underground S&M, like gay S&M clubs because... Uh, Al Pacino, a detective, is looking for... uh, Remember when the only gay people on the media were serial killers? Um, That it was like, it kind of kicked off that in like a bigger way. And so so the Village Voice got, got wind of this and tried to rally... Uh, members of the the uh, the community to protest the production of the movie and so they'd go like there'd be like uh, basically gaggles of gays that would show up and like throw eggs at like the people who are making the movie but this movie was being produced at the same exact time and a lot of the aesthetics of it made people think that it was cruising and so people would show up and disrupt the production of this movie thinking that it was cruising and i think that that is so funny like it's <laughs> so perfect um and it's like i guess that was like a regular enough thing where it's like <laughs> a thing that like many people on production remember is how often they had to shut down because of uh activist groups trying to you know essentially like do do the right thing but to the wrong movie yeah start like carrying a big banner that's like <laughs> We are filming the Village People movie. Please leave us alone. We are filming a musical, everyone. Do you just... I do think that that is why they they changed. I do think that that's part of the reason they changed the name of the the movie. I think that it was like tactical, but I don't know how that ended up 
serving them. But um, yeah, that's like a very kind of like of the time thing. And now I think cruising also similarly has been reassessed for the, for the not reassessed for what it gets wrong in that narrative. But again, it was like for everything it got wrong, it was still like a lot of imagery on screen that you weren't getting elsewhere. So it has like an interesting kind of mixed legacy. I have a cruising t-shirt. Uh, disclosure. <laughs> uh, I've never seen it, but I did a lot of reading about it in uh, gender studies classes I took in college. Sure. So I'm, I'm aware of it and I'm like, one day I'll probably watch it. Uh, but yeah, that's that's my that's my my politics take that doesn't even have anything to do with the movie. Cool. Um, Jesse. Uh, I guess we should talk about uh, Felipe and the honestly saddest, most cringy part of this entire movie. So which 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 part? <laughs> I feel like I mean I feel like every time Felipe's on screen I'm like, oh, uh, these booty shorts are really cute, but everything else is real real cringe. And Yeah, Felipe does a rain dance at some point. And like I did some preliminary research and it seems like unsure if cuz like Felipe is Felipe Rose actually from the village people uh who does say that he is has an indigenous background. It seems like that is an up in the air question <laughs> about that. Yeah. But like part of me is still like, okay, but I don't know how much of this is a like authentic lurk as much as it is a like, you know, I mean, white gays do love to fetishize brown people, but I'm like, I feel like you're really playing really into that in a way that is real uncomfortable. <laughs> And to that point about white gays liking to fetishize brown people, there is a scene that is not a white gay saying it, but it's like one of the women, I can't remember which of the women says. Lulu. It's Lulu. Is it Lulu? She likes, she likes exotic types and like she says something and just the blending of like who's whose yeah, genocide says, we're talking I'll about. Tell him I'll make up for all the injuries they suffered in Roots. Right. I was and, like, oof, like yeah. that was the that to me was like i was like oh that is dark yeah, <laughs> yeah. i mean yeah. i feel like and i feel like at that point i'm like wow i feel like i when i was in college i feel like i met of i met a lot of in my 20s ladies like lulu who are it's like do you know that dude is gay and also i'm sorry what did you just say have you never met another brown person besides me in your life yeah. And I'm like, oh, and I'm just like, yeah, I just like, I got like flashbacks. I'm like, oh, Lulu. Oh, oh, yeah. mm. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what I don't know what Felipe's um, legacy is. I don't know what like the re the receipt of of Felipe has been. And I'm sure there have been a number of there's I'm sure that there's like a, a breadth of criticism or sort of the engagement Wikipedia or discussion article. Well, only stating facts about things that he has said manages to be very shady about <laughs> his claims about his indigenous ancestry. So I think that it definitely gives the impression that there's people who have been like, what? Yeah, yeah because yeah. there's there's been like a shifting like tribal allegiance. There's no like kind of like a, a, a official affiliation with any of the tribe, the tribes that he yeah. said that he's a part of. But like the, I also heard, I remember 10 years ago now hearing him on wait, wait, don't tell me, which is a very, very funny admission on my part. But like he, he, um, I think like the village, I think the village people were on wait, wait, don't tell me. And Peter Sagal referred 
to him as the Indian, um, meaning sort of in how he was known as within the the village people, which itself wasn't really doing any necessarily any favors. And he correct he like very kindly corrected Peter Sigal was like, you know, actually like we would be referred to as Native American. And there was like it was a very interesting that moment was very interesting because it was like a correction of a thing that like a white liberal on stage got wrong. But in an ownership of the like we like kind of like the way that it was positioned was to like grant the authority of being the person to say that from a person who like I think that there's like a lot of questions about what that authority is. And it was a yeah. very fascinating thing to hear happen in real time. Yeah. Yeah. But also I I I don't know because I'm just I'm fucking white as hell, so I don't this is one that I, I have trouble commenting on from fully based standpoint. Yeah, I think if I'd had a little more time, I bet I could have found uh, an an indigenous writer talking about this or making a video. And listeners, if you know of any, let us know. I, I will keep scrolling indigenous TikTok until maybe someone is like, oh, by the way. <laughs> so Well, and because of to the point about what we're able to see that we weren't able to see forever ago because of like TikTok and elsewhere, it's like I do know that there are a number of really great like queer indigenous uh, voices that kind of speak to the that speak to a very specific experience that it feels like maybe doesn't feel like like Felipe was not speaking to Felipe was speaking to an image and not to an experience. And they all were speaking to an image, but that was like the most brutal one to see in real time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just the, you know, the like cultures are not costumes thing is like everything else is like a job or being a leatherman. And then all of a sudden you have like a like cultural and racial identity is like that, like literally doesn't even fit with right. everything else that's happening here you know right. right when i was saying that earlier i realized that i was just omitting felipe in my head because i was like i'm not ready to touch this but like the like when i was talking about how they're all like kind of a job like you're right it's like felipe it's like it's just like a, like as if like being felipe and being a cowboy are like the same thing and it's like nah, right. not this is not what's happening no. yeah that's like a that's a real like we're watching a movie that was made in 1980 and everyone was like, this is fine. Uh, Yeah. I guess we could speculate about like, so why was this one of the like gay imagery that you decided to like pull on? I'm like, we're gays in the seventies. I mean, I guess people watch a lot more cowboy shows. I guess (laughs) if you grew up in the seventies, maybe that was like an easier thing for if you're a gay dude to be into than now. when it's like gay cowboys. Yes. But I will say though, also as a, you know, what is it like an acolyte of the Weetzie Bat books, uh, which also came out in the eighties and had like a ton of just like Native American cultural appropriation stuff. I I think maybe it was like more just something that was like being used unthinkingly in like counterculture as like this looks cool. I will I will use it because I like it. And like having read like interviews with Francesca Leah Black, who, you know, is sort of peak, like well-meaning white lady, especially when it comes to the things that, you know, are wrong with her books. Like she has said, like, I would never write that now, but I like 1 million percent, like there was nothing in my brain that said that it could possibly be offensive when I was writing that book in 1989. So I think it like 
from two from two points of context uh could possibly have just been a thing that was like in in the air people were just like this is this is fine i like it because it looks cool and like still in the air because people are still having to tell white girls going to like coachella to not wear feather headdresses that Mm -hmm. are modeled after like indigenous stereotypes which is like what what do you what why why was it tell you this in 2023 like seriously where literally anything else you're going to be tripping in the desert like come on (laughs) oh Oh my gosh so uh, i would love to spend like a little bit of time on the ron sam relationship that i think (laughs) is like the most i'm like such a roller coaster a and B, like, so awful. I hate him so much. <laughs> so much. He's bad. He's so bad. I mean, he starts off being like, why doesn't a girl like you hang out with a bunch of fags? And I'm like, what? Are you the love interest? What is happening? Because I and was the like. Fact that she, like, sleeps with him the next time she sees him. I'm like, you were so great in standing up for your peculiar friends. And now, <laughs> like, he, apolo- like, half apologized. And so you're just like gonna fuck him what i hate this <laughs> um and then you know i guess for the listener who isn't gonna watch this movie he you know quits his job he's like helping to get the village people off the ground he's doing all this good stuff sam then is like well what i have to do is like go back to modeling to get enough money for this band and he's like ew i can't believe you a model were naked in front of a camera they like not even naked just like scantily clad the choices they make for him are so weird right and then she dumps him and then the next time they see each other he still married proposes and she says yes i'm like what well, and she says is and she this? says is this an apology or a proposal and no definite word on if it's apology <laughs> in like classic form yeah, in classic form. It's and not like, an apology. Just the fact that he is still wearing his wedding ring in that scene. I'm like, you guys. Yeah, he is a. The character is a box of red flags, and I'm like, girl, I wish someone would tell you that this is a bad idea. I'm like, you have so many friends around you, and no one is just like, really. Well, and it's so funny too because it's so unnecessary. Like, yeah. not even just like unnecessary by way of like the personality stuff, like. Valerie Breen and Steve Gutenberg, that's enough. Like, why do we need a third person? Like, it doesn't make, and I understand, like, I don't, I'm not saying I understand, like, it's right, but like, they're like, oh, we need a romantic, we need a straight romantic interest <laughs> to offset this. Like, is it how I, have you ever seen Tremors? Tremors not. is, what's that? I've not actually. Tremors is great. Tremors is a movie about two guys who love each other. And and these worms that live under the ground that are trying to kill them and they have the best chemistry ever. And then they just force some woman in the movie so that people don't get confused about how gay Tremors is like this feels like that is they were like, we need to put a love interest in. We need to put a straight love interest to like anchor this. But this movie would have been like. First of all, 20 minutes shorter, which we all would have appreciated and a lot more coherent if it was just like Val and her like little brother type guy trying to like she's trying to pivot from her career. He's trying to get into his career. That's great. Why do I care about a lawyer who quit his job? I know I'm I actually was really upset because there's like, yeah, like 20 minutes of the movie taking up about 
oh, well, Ron's a shithead. Oh, no, he's actually a great guy. I'm like, no, he's not. But <laughs> that means we also don't get much of the other village people wars. I'm like, I would much rather want to hear more gay shit happening with them. Like, I want to know, <laughs> I want them to hear them speak. I don't want to hear <laughs> Caitlyn Jenner talk about, you know, right, how, like, I'm kind of divorced, so it's fine. <laughs> it's like, oh, oh. He came yeah. to the city to have fun. my god what a fuck (laughs) yeah (laughs) so uh okay is there anything else here politics wise yeah i i just think like i this is not like a direct like you know, sort of like partisan or 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 specific issue thing but um and we've spoken to it throughout but like this is as close as there is a reason why they're not saying gay. Like there's a, this movie would not have been made. Like this movie would not have been made if they made this movie and just like referred to them being gay. This movie wouldn't have made been made until like 2005. Like, and so, and, and even then they'd be like, we're going to release it on like our arts label, you know, no one's going to see it. So, so this was, there's a reason why Alan Carr was out, but not out. And also one of the original writers in this movie was like one of the first people to die with AIDS related complications in 1979, 1980. So like very, I mean, going far back, we get this really fascinating picture of New York, not, not accurate. I'm not saying like it's documentary, but like of like, a bunch of gays in New York having fun before there's a plague. And that's fascinating. I mean, you know, whenever I think about friends who I knew who grew up in that time, um, who are gay or people I've read and, you know, I mean, we, this is all stuff that we know on paper, but when you really just like think about the fact that there were like entire community of people who are in the arts or friends or whatever, who were wiped out all but one, or all but two or whatever. It's just like a, such a, such a tremendous and, and, and vast horror story. And we get this like last little picture of joy and subculture that, that precedes that. And, uh, I, I think that looking at it from that lens, I'm like, okay, I understand why they didn't say gay. It's, I wish that they could have, they didn't, it's important for understanding sort of like what we're going into. We're going into, we're getting ready for, for Reagan's America. We're getting ready for like AIDS, New York. Um, but it's a, it's, it's almost when you see it like that, it's like a horror prequel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, and I think about this a lot because I think that the like the ramifications of the AIDS epidemic, like we're still feeling and we're feeling it in the sort of what I consider a very toothless, popular gay movement where it's like, we're mm. going to get we're going to go for gay marriage first. And it's like right. now in like 20, you know, 2019, it's like, oh, I guess we'll like try to do stuff for like trans rights. And I'm like, we lost a whole generation of artists and activists and people who like could have pushed would have pushed where queer culture is and like what sort of like queer activism could be. And like the fact that those folks who were wiped out because of homophobia and racism and bigotry and is just like, I think still devastating yeah. when we're like, li- like today when it's like young trans people like don't are like, man, 30 is old. And I'm like, you don't, we don't like, you just don't know any old trans people to be like, mm-hmm. you can, 
Being old and trans is cool. Being old and gay, great. Totally. Getting old in 2024 sounds cool. Something much less likely every year that progresses. And I'm yeah. just like, yeah. And so as like a historical time capsule, this movie, right, right, is like a lot of exciting things are happening. But yeah, it is a little bit like the, when you hear the strings in a horror movie and you know something fucking's about to happen. Totally. It's like, that's sort of what this movie could be. Right. Well, it's like when you also just look at there's a, you a, you both may know, but there's a really good you're wrong about episode about the the fall of disco and sort yep. of what was behind it. And it was all of the it was all of the most like predictable sort of uh, terrible cultural forces that led to that, which were, you know, homophobia and racism that kind of led to that downfall. And people in retrospect think that it's like a particular kind of thing burned out. And yes, it is. But there was like a cultural force against it. And once that cultural force had its way, this movie had no audience to be released to. Yeah. Um, so like the context around as goofy as this, I mean, lovably goofy as this movie is, it fits into a very specific series of contexts and speaks to those in a way that like when you watch it, you're like, this isn't doing anything serious, is it? And it's like, it's not intentionally, but there's a lot happening around it that this speaks to. Yeah. Yeah, it's a sort of like, we could have had it all at some point in time, and then we are in the worst timeline, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And every bad, and as we learn, every bad choice from 20 years ago comes back to us 100 times worse now. Um, So yeah, we're we're still on that timeline, aren't we? (laughs) Yeah, unfortunately. (laughs) Can't stop the music, can you? Welcome to editorials where we rant about stuff. <laughs> Which we like, haven't done. Yeah. <laughs> That's like always when we get to editorials, we're like, well, we've been ranting. It's a tonal shift of rants. Is what editorial is. <laughs> it's rants that don't need a trigger warning. I love it. That's perfect. It's a palate cleanser after the politics session. That's yeah. great. That's great. Um, honestly, actually, Jesse, I would love... <laughs> I, I'm assuming that when you saw the like little old lady, uh, motorcycle scooter scam thing that you were like, this is everything because you've talked (laughs) numerous times all the time. In fact, about how you just want to be a scam artist when you are elderly. And I was like, oh my God, this is like, Jesse's going to flip out. Um, so please talk about it. (laughs) You you are correct. Everyone, there is a scene that doesn't even need to be there about Caitlyn Jenner's character being a like bumpkin from the what going to the big city with a cake and gets mugged by a 70 year old lady who's like oh no a a dude in a motorcycle hit an old lady and like goes to help her she's like he's a gun he's like give me your money he gets mugged by this lady who's in cahoots with the dude on the motorcycle and I'm just like this has this serves no purpose besides this is the best like i'm like this is me when i'm 70 I'm like, oh my god like it was written for you <laughs> it specifically really, <laughs> it really was i'm like it truly and i'm like i don't remember if yeah yeah i was just like this is this was made for me this exact scene <laughs> yeah oh I, I like how like randomly in the weeds this movie will get like there's a there's a whole 
there's this whole part where they're like, oh, we're the, we're not going to be able to whatever. They have the they have the moment of discouragement that happens in every movie. I'm like this the end of the second act. We're not going to be able to get the village people seen or whatever. And then it's like enter someone who has charity enter enter uh um ron's mom is it ron wait what is, yeah, what is yeah, it, it is enter ron's mom. mom who is so taken by the village people that she would happily put on a charity event where they could be the um the talent and then we get into like how much money various charity events have raised in the past and i'm like why are we getting these <laughs> details <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck are we doing? This not is a, an ex- <laughs> not a single thing from the script was edited out. Not no. not, a, not a thing. First idea, best <laughs> idea. The entire movie. The the like can't stop the music. The song can't stop the music at the end. At least a six minute montage. Like nothing. Nothing is edited. Nothing is. Edited. They just go for it. And uh, and and similarly, like I am a person who's like if a movie requires a longer runtime i'm there for it this movie goes along because again not a single line was cut not a single montage was trimmed they just went as hard as humanly possible and i think that that's my only rant i yeah the the thing that i kept thinking about with that too is like we get all of these songs and like from listening to the disco demolition of you're wrong about i know that disco songs are super long specifically for like being able to mix them at dance parties yes. cool they don't need it's just the same line over and over <laughs> so if you're a good audio editor you can just take out a full minute or two from the middle put the beginning and the end together you have a, a two and a half minute Absolutely. song and that would be better and it's just like come on, come on. <laughs> totally like the two that like makes it like the milkshake one i'm in because there's a lot going on ymca signature song gayest scene like i am i'm there for but everything else i was like that whole intro even though i was stoked to be on that roller skating intro with the goot at the beginning of the movie i was like this is a lot of information they're really they're trying to <laughs> it's line for line they're selling how cool new york is like a beastie boys song and it's like <laughs> and i'm like i know it's cool guys it's we're four minutes in you gotta wrap it up here <laughs> yeah 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 i watched it like i watched it the night before we were gonna record and then just stop taking notes halfway through which is what always happens when i'm watching like with my partner and i don't want to be pausing every time i want to take a note so then i watched it again the the next morning and i was like all right i woke up at eight i gotta watch this two-hour movie so i just watched it on 1.25 speed and skipped half of all of the songs and honestly it was better It's it did the know, they talk you. so much slower than than we do now, and yes. so it was like they were moving kind of too fast. But the the vocal speed, I was like, this is actually <laughs> this is the right speed for people to be talking. That's amazing. I do like the one bit of like co- like not even commentary, but like the producer who she's trying to woo to 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 take the band on. His whole thing is like 
he's chronically on the phone and that's the only thing that feels prescient even though like none of us are actually like on the phone we are on our phones uh, <laughs> um but i really like that 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 guy who she refers to as the touchstone kid very funny yeah. um i like that that was like oh yeah we're gonna we're gonna do, we're all gonna deal with that at some point in the future <laughs> yeah anything else here i just have one rant i'm gonna try to keep it short okay so this movie and i guess the other musical disco movie that came out this year uh, the same 1980 xanadu <laughs> inspired the guy to create the razzies which is like the award for like worst movie which mm. i knew about because i like movies and i'm like oh yeah someone has this like silly award this is the first time i looked into it because i'm like this movie is great like how yes. did this, how are you like this is this is so terrible i need to create an award for because there's worse movies in the 80s and i'm like how is naked gonna on your list but like this movie is <laughs> and then i realized that the razzie awards is just homophobic because it's full of of gay camp classics like mommy dearest and under the cherry moon and i'm like excuse you and like showgirls famously batman and robin which we love here uh <laughs> nominated is batman and robin the kiss from a rose one or is that batman no Robert? that is i don't remember which one that's from yeah, I think it's I think it's forever. So I was just a kiss from a rose came up three times yesterday. So I was like, holy shit, is it coming up again? Uh, anyway, <laughs> but yeah, it, that makes sense that it's like born of a homophobic impulse if these were the first two things to kick it off. Yeah, and I, and I already kind of feel like, and we talked about this before, that a lot of like campy movies that are bad are just like they're just really they have like gay aesthetics and gay people love them because they're just campy and ridiculous and everyone's having a good time. And so I just feel deeply offended that I'm like. No, this is just homophobic, the Razzies. Like, not that I guess probably anyone but like weird cishet dudes care about this, but I'm just like, oh, mm. Yeah, people don't like, I think, yeah, can't get, I'm pretty sure like all of Paul Verhoeven's movies have gotten have gotten nominated for Razzies and, and that would, which would include um, showgirls in uh, starship troopers. And like, these are, uh, these are movies that I always think of as like straight camp, even though showgirls is not straight camp, obviously. <laughs> but yeah, I think, I think historically, even just like with May, December coming out this year as like prestige camp, I, I think like people just forever, even if they like, don't fancy themselves, homophobic camp won't land with them in the right way and it makes them uncomfortable and then they think that it's bad as a result yeah okay so before we move on i just need us to like acknowledge the fact that so listeners there's this whole thing at the end where like sam our like big virgo energy main lady <laughs> who's like given up her entire life because she needs to fix her friend's career um <laughs> like is supposed to be on this flight to San Francisco with the dude that she's fake seducing to like get them a record deal. Oh, yeah. And then it's like, she's, she's, she can't be here for <laughs> reasons. And like the rollerblady guy is there instead. And then like we get there and everyone's like, where's Sam? Where's Sam? And then she shows up and she's like, how dare you think that I was in Acapulco or wherever? But we never learn where she was or why <laughs> she was late. Did you pick up the fact? Did you the the? I can't believe that there are two weird things about this because for me the chilling thing was the producer who they're trying to trick or whatever they're trying to do is on the phone before they show up in the plane, and he says, "Well, Sam's going to show up, and once she does, lock the door because it's implied that he's going to like take her." 
And I was like, what? <laughs> we get no more information about that. Just True. he's going to kidnap Sam. Which may, maybe she knew if they were used to be, <laughs> if that's her ex, maybe she's like, I'm going to take a commuter jet. I'm going to like go Delta. And, uh, you know, my friend and your like incredible mom, I think you should handle this part. And I'll meet you in. Yeah, you're going to have yeah. them hostage for like five and a half hours. <laughs> get the yeah. You can tell Carr is like at weight loss camp because like every conversation is like about what mom is feeding a child like what mm-hmm. mom is like mom always has a bag of zabars which again like i'm sure that that was product placement or whatever and is feeding everybody all the time and she's the she's italian but her his dad's jewish and so he gets the best of best of both and so like it's so it's so funny she's like literally hand feeding the record producer dude as she's like manipulating him into giving her son a record deal which like, like he's a baby bird i just which i gotta say i'm like i don't is an excellent way to try to like manipulate this like terrible totally. like record this like record producer dude is like oh you thought you were gonna right uh, apparently kidnap your ex but instead you're gonna get browbeat and hand fed by this incredible <laughs> this incredible mom and I'm like I'm here for this it's so good yeah. it's, it's really great. funny yeah this has like it really has uh, you you said um uh spice world energy and and i agree it has like charlie's angels energy it has like (laughs) josie and the pussycats energy like there are things that they just they just pull off like it's totally reasonable like Mm -hmm. a mom feeding you the right food is going to is going to get you to make the right decision yeah welcome to the personal section where we talk about sexy stuff (laughs) Um, Alex, would you like to start? I said, yeah, I said earlier, I was really in a way that I have not been before. I was really taken with Randy Jones. Beautiful boy. Just like looks great in this movie. He is the cowboy. Um, kind eyes, lovely, like sings is, is tremendous. And also Glenn Hughes, the Leatherman, who looks tremendous the entire time. He's my favorite. When he walked on when his when he walks onto the set for this is his first scene i'm like i was literally like oh my fucking god <laughs> like just just the bushy uh oh horseshoe mustache and just like leather coat no shirt just like oh like just straight up chest hair and like he's just like kind of stocky and like maybe a little shorter and i'm just yeah. like oh my god he looks <laughs> he is like straight up a tom of finland character yeah. in this in this movie and says and my favorite line is when they're about to go on for their first time he's saying to himself leatherman don't get nervous leatherman don't get nervous <laughs> so cute yeah those two are those two are really remarkable in this uh in particular but uh yeah i think that those are my those are my immediate that's where my fixation was kind of the entire movie jesse uh i mean yeah the the letter daddy i already talked a little bit about every scene that felipe's in wearing just like short shorts that just literally stop under his ass cheeks i'm like wow this is a look i appreciate everything about this look so much <laughs> yeah it's too bad felipe makes it difficult with the 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 rest of the outfit like we talked about earlier yeah. because like felipe looks fucking great the whole movie yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I don't think those people look great. Like, I'm like, did I realize that y'all were really hot? I don't know if I have. So hot. Yeah, I don't think I had either. I was, yeah, I was like, oh. Because I feel like my, everything that I've known about the village people was from like VH1 countdowns and stuff like that. Not anything deeper. And so I feel like I just, yeah, I was not prepared. I was just like, oh, you're all so beautiful. Like, what? David, (laughs) David, the construction worker? Mm. Mm. Just everyone's mustache is so great. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. That his fake music video oh my God. <laughs> daydream is like so funny. I've never ever seen anyone like a less straight situation where there's just like 20 beautiful, almost naked women and one dude. And you're like, nothing. There's nothing. There's zero chemistry happening. I like really hope that they're like, I'm just like, and the fact that, that his whole dance number is very like old Hollywood musical and I'm like there is definitely a drag queen that's performed this because this is the kind of like old school Hollywood musical that you often see in like drag performances and I'm like this is this is just a plus oh my god (laughs) it's marvelous welcome to the health and science section where we talk about research that we did probably mostly in this case (laughs) <laughs> probably mostly i never know what jesse's gonna bring to the health and science section <laughs> so i always try to cover all of my bases uh yeah i only have two things here cool would you like to start yeah so what really reminded me of spice world is that the this movie is sort of like this is how the first people get together as one of the many parts of this movie which is it true? Like, this is not how the village people... Don't did. tell me this. I'm, I'm believing that this is absolutely a biography for the rest of my life. <laughs> you can say whatever you're going to say right now. I'll just assume that you're lying. It's fine. That's fine. Um, but similar to Spice, to the Spice Girls, and really any every boy and girl band of the 90s and 2000s, is that, you know, a couple of music producers were like, hey, this guy, the guy who is the cop in the village people, like, you sing really cool... Let's do a disco album. And then it's like, actually, let's get you some backup dancers, but like, let's really make it super gay. <laughs> and so they like held auditions for like very macho dudes to like help fill out the all of the village people. But it worked out. Look how great, what a great group they are. But I just think I just think it was funny. Like, this is exactly like Spice World. <laughs> in the yeah. It's like it's like how the runaways came together. It's how the sex pistols came together. It's how like just like assembling a a group where everyone is a personality type is like, seems like the most American, well, I'm saying it's the most American thing, but it applies to the sex pistols as well. It seems like a very like American story. Yeah. And British. Yeah. Girl power. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And the Wikipedia, God bless Wikipedia, whoever put this in the Wikipedia entry for the village people, I guess they put out an ad and like a theater paper. Uh, Macho types wanted must dance and have a mustache. Which is, which is how they got the leather daddy, who actually was a toll worker when he got when he was amazing applying to become uh, a village person. So that part is, is very real. perfectly cast in life. Excellent, we did it. 
Alex, thank you so much again for being here. Thank you. A delight. Can you remind our listeners where to find you? Maybe give some social handles too. Sure. I'm so you can find me at Alex Steed in pretty much anywhere. A L E X S T E E D. I think I spelled that right. A L E X S T E E D. Yeah, it doesn't sound right when I say it out loud, but that is how you spell my name. <laughs> And uh, I have a podcast called You Are Good, which I co-host with my great friend Sarah Marshall. And you can find us on most socials at You Are Good or You Are Good Pod. Um, If you like this show, you'll like our show. So I would love for you to listen to both. Perfect. I would assume there's a there's a a Venn diagram overlap of people who I imagine so. Yeah. We have like a there's like a very I don't even know how you would describe shows like this, but like this, like this ends at prom, like this, like there's I don't know. We, there's a family of like kind of show. <laughs> and yeah. clearly like you'll you'll uh you'll find something you enjoy if you if you like what's happening over here. Yeah. But this was an honor. I really appreciate the opportunity. It was nice to spend a couple hours with you both. I had a great time. Yeah, yeah thank likewise. you. It was so fun. And honestly, thank you for bringing this movie to my attention. I'm not going to stop telling people to watch it. You can't stop telling people, can you? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you all so much for listening to this episode. Check the show notes for everything. There's, you know, an image gallery. There's links to some video clips of the movie. Um, You can find all of the ways that you can find us and Alex on the internet. Like everything is there. Highly recommend looking at that. And yeah, that's it. We will actually be back next week because this came out on an odd schedule because you're welcome. It's when I felt like releasing it. (laughs) So we'll see you. We'll see you next week when we will be talking about the pilot episode of Star Trek, the next generation. And until then.